You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network, hosted by Blake Murphy 7 and Johnny Touchdown. All about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello, welcome in. This is the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network. And we're coming to you today to talk about, uh, originally we were going to go and talk about a game of uh, missed opportunities, blown defense, uh, inability to be consistent with decision-making by Cliff Kingsbury. And with 34 seconds left in the game, it seemed like that would be the narrative. And that whole script flipped suddenly with what's now being called the Hale Murray around the league. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals moved from what seemed to be a crucial loss to the Buffalo Bills. Instead, DeAndre Hopkins beats three defenders, comes down with a seemingly miraculous catch. Kyler Murray on the scramble. Uh, John, the Cardinals now are sitting at 6-3, and three, and it feels like there's one single play has almost changed everything for the Cardinals' season. Yeah, Blake, it's uh, it's an exciting time. Uh, thank you for joining us in the first of two podcasts this week with a, with a quick turnaround on Thursday. But, I mean, it feels like we're having one of these shows every couple of weeks where we talk about just a exhausting, exhilarating finish from this team. I mean, literally three weeks ago, we had the conversation post-Seattle Sunday Night Football game. That felt like a turning point. And then now you look at the they, – they were able to even top that finish. I know this game wasn't on national TV, but, goodness, it's it's the highlight of the week, maybe the highlight of the year with Kyler Murray completing the Hail Mary pass to DeAndre Hopkins for the last-second touchdown against the Buffalo Bills. L- listen, there's so much to dissect from this game, so many layers. I, it almost feels like it has 20 different chapters to break down. But I think my biggest takeaway is the resiliency of Kyler Murray, his ability to make that throw. It's a phenomenal catch, but I I think the throw is better at this point, being able to scramble outside the pocket, running to his right when it's harder to run to your right if you're a right-handed quarterback, or excuse me, running to your left if you're a right-handed quarterback, and to, to break a tackle and to get it off right before he falls out of bounds to Hopkins, who you know, out jumps three defenders. I mean, it, not to di- dismiss or downplay anything Hopkins did. It, it was an all-world catch. I, it just, to me, it just showed that this we're going to have a special season. The, I mean, this put the icing on the cake. When you think about the the fact that the Cardinals, if they had lost this game, falling to five and four, uh, you know, barely being on the on the playoff bubble, entering a you know, a, essentially what could be a must-win Thursday night against Seattle, who's upset they got you know embarrassed again and lost this past week. Um, to an in-division rival, so Seattle not looking good within the division to start the year. Um, you could have very easily fast-forward to Friday. This team could be five and five, and everybody would be saying Cliff Kingsbury's a fraud. Kyler Murray's, you know, he, he can't carry this team by himself. Um, all this other stuff, and and yet here we are, six and three. The Cardinals are atop the division this late in the season for the first time since 2015. Kyler Murray. <clears throat> looks like a legitimate MVP candidate. And I get the people who have been saying, well, he's been an MVP candidate all year. But now, I mean, you're leading your division and you're pulling off finishes like that. Those are the kind of things that, that MVP voters look at. And I think he, I still think he has a, an uphill climb to secure it. I think the Vegas odd, odds have him fourth or fifth this morning. Uh, but just to be in that category, you know, to me, it's never about the award. It's just about consistently contending. 
and if you hear Kyler Murray, he just wants to win. He just wants to win championships, Super Bowls for this franchise that, that has never won anything. Um, so I, I'm just I'm excited for what we're seeing from a team that has a lot of resiliency. And I just want to point out the defensive effort in the second half. I was critical of this defense. Uh, they were atrocious in Miami. They were the primary reason the team lost to the Miami Dolphins. Kyler Murray did next to everything right outside of that fumble in the opening possession. And the defensive struggles carried into the first half of this game with, um, I believe it was, um, through four quarters of play dating back to last week, the defense, Blake, had yet to force a punt. Um, they had uh, The opposing offenses, whether it be Miami or Buffalo this week, had secured scoring drives on, like, I think a double-digit consecutive drives. It was really embarrassing. Um, so I, I know the Cardinals went into halftime and they quote unquote only gave up 16 points, but they were still on pace to give up 32. They gave up 30. They, you know, they were still struggling to stop, um, you know, this Josh Allen led attack and give them credit. Second half, they clamped down and we'll talk about what I believe one of the reasons that that happened. They gave up 14 points, seven in the third, seven in the fourth, and they gave this team multiple chances to put this game away. Uh, if you date back to, after the Cardinals took a lead of, I believe it was 26 to 23, uh, Buffalo had three drives in which they kind of spun out of control. They they had an interception of Patrick Peterson. They had that penalty-laden drive with third and 33 where the Cardinals got a punt. And then they had the Drake Kirkpatrick interception. Any of those instances, if the Cardinals punch it into the end zone, the game's probably over, and the Cardinals were unable to do that. And I think that that was why this loss was, was about to be so dejecting is you gave Buffalo the last position they needed to go down and score with, with uh, you know, Stephon Diggs making a, a terrific catch, Beasley making that ridiculous one-handed catch on third down to keep the drive alive. Had this game ended in a loss, which it looked like it was going to be, you know, a 30-26 to 26 Cardinal loss, I was prepared to get on this podcast and just and rip the play calling of Cliff Kingsbury. It would have been back-to-back fourth quarters in which the Cardinals wouldn't have scored at all against the uh, AFC East. Um, and now you look at this team, they've got renewed life. They moved 75 yards in th- 39 seconds of play to be able, or 35 seconds of play to be able to go down the field. Kyler Murray, cool, calm, and collected, uh, hitting the b- passes that he needed to. The offensive line protecting well enough to be able to get that last throw off and it, it, to me Blake you know kind of in this little opening ran on it, I believe it's a, it's a game changing win that just catapults them not only in the into the postseason you know picture for good because I do believe now that they're they're on a fast track to, to January football I believe it puts them in not necessarily the driver's seat but a, a, a division contender that I had some legitimate doubts about before this finish yeah, John, it's in in this sense it's a relief. We've talked a lot about how they when you're in the NFL, it's very very difficult to stay relevant when you're dropping multiple games in a row. If you drop two games in a row, you basically lose a bit of relevancy. You have to then make up that ground by basically winning, you know, two or three games in a row to be able to continue in the playoff picture because there's so many teams out there every given Sunday that as we said with the Dolphins game, it was a missed opportunity for the Cardinals to take a lead on a Seattle team that had gotten beat up by Buffalo that week. Following it up with another loss and then going to Seattle, 
if you're talking about, like you said, going to a 5-5 five and five type of record, suddenly these games that were going to seem winnable suddenly turn into not just must-wins, but like, hey, it's like, did the Cardinals maybe have to finish at 10-6? and six? They get to 9-7, and seven, and you look back at that one game going, gosh, if they had just managed to, you know, be able to score in the Dolphins game or just managed to go against Buffalo or had just managed to be able to kind of uh, beat the Seahawks and not drop those games in a row – that is no longer the case. Some of that, I think, as far as for looking at the narrative of how this game went, there were multiple kind of shifts that we got to see as far as for the game place. It really started at the beginning of the game with another slow start from the Arizona Cardinals. They had multiple long drives that were only able to be accomplished in field goals. So credit to Zane Gonzalez for bouncing back after the miss last week. He had every extra point and every field goal. It wasn't like it was too difficult for the most part. Uh, two of those kicks uh, came from within essentially the Buffalo Bills 10-yard um, line. Uh, the Cardinals, to me, the missed opportunities that you saw in the first half ultimately were, you know, the Cardinals, they decided not to go for it from the Buffalo five-yard line on fourth down. They maybe forced the ball a little bit to DeAndre Hopkins versus uh, they ran the ball once with Kyler and then passed it twice, decided to kick the field goal to come away with points. I think you're fine as far as you don't need to fault Arizona as much for that. When you look at least, though, earlier when the Cardinals punt on the next play, uh, trade field goals, I think there was... Four straight drives ended in four straight field goals for both teams. The very kind of crux or turning point, I would say, that seemed like it was going against the cards was when you go on a 16-play drive, take about four minutes off the clock, and you're there at uh, third and goal at the Buffalo 3, and you miss the pass to Larry Fitzgerald, you decide to settle for a field goal with 124 left on the clock. Uh, it was just way too much time for Buffalo to have left. I felt like that Cliff needed to go for it. You know, like, trust Kyler, trust his legs. It's something that's worked all season, at least for the most part. And then if worst, hey, at least you're going to be pinning Buffalo on the one or two-yard line, hope that maybe you can get a playoff for some type of a turnover. Uh, and instead, what ends up happening is that you kick the field goal, Buffalo drives all the way down, scores, and suddenly goes up by seven points. You're like, oh, gosh, like this is it's kind of that late half collapses that we had seen from the team as far as a turning point. Now, the change that happens after coming out of the, the halftime, you know, you make your halftime adjustments, force a punt from Buffalo so they don't go up at least with that touchdown to kind of get to an unreachable level. Kenyon Drake fumbles the ball, kind of pitches it right back to them. You're in Cardinal territory, and the Bills score. At that point, at 23-9, it feels like that the Arizona Cardinals of yesteryear would have been done. Like You're talking about how you're probably not going to be able to come back. It's maybe garbage time the rest of the game. To see the resilience of the Cardinals team after that, to then go on another 9-play, 75-yard touchdown drive, and then force a punt after that. It just showed a resilience, like you talked about, John, to the team. And I think a lot of that does come down to the leadership as far as not just, you know, the coaching staff with making those adjustments, but it comes down to the quarterback, the line, all of them trusting each other, and the defense being able to step up and make plays. It got to the point where the Cardinals, like you said, they were able to finally get a pick of Josh Allen. Uh, Patrick Peterson had three attempts, finally got one of them, I believe, at least. Um, you go down, you score a touchdown, and take the lead. You then force a punt, and at that point, it seemed like, all right, the Cardinals, this is great. They're at the Buffalo 35-yard line. Driving down your infield goal range, even if you don't get a touchdown, you can kind of get up enough on Buffalo to force them to have to go for a, uh, uh, you know, force or a touchdown in the fourth quarter, nine minutes left. It feels like you may be able to have the game in hand if you score. 
At that point, you have a, a poor throw from Kyler Murray. And that's not to say that it was like a awful throw. It was just, you know, it was slightly behind Larry Fitzgerald. He gets his arm under it, hits the ground ball, bounces in the air, and just kind of that fluke of nature gets it right back to the Bills. You even are still able to punt it after that for the most part and then pick off. It's just this crazy defensive stands where the defense, at least for the most part, did their job. They stopped Buffalo from... You know, forced, I believe it was, um, from even scoring. They didn't even get a field goal out of it. Uh, you have a pick that's taken care of by, I believe it was, um, uh, was Drake Kirkpatrick we talked about. It's like, all right, that's got to be it. That's got to be the icing on the cake. That's, that's game over. The Cardinals then go three and out twice. And the Bills then go on a 12-play, 70-air drive, and you're like, oh, gosh, this is this is kind of what the Arizona Cardinals were get to come back to. And I want to talk a bit about the play calling here, John, because as we got to see, the, the first kind of um, takeover by the Cardinals, at least, they had that three and out. You get, tried to run the ball. You know, you had four or five yards up the middle. Kyler Murray takes a terrible sack on third and one, trying to pick up the first down there. Um, you had a punt, at least, for that one. And essentially ends up being, you know, a, I believe it was a, it was offensive holding, I think at least that pushed it back for the most part. You got kind of lucky for the, uh, for that. After that uh, interception by Drake Kirkpatrick, that should honestly have ended the game with four minutes left in the fourth. You throw it three times to DeAndre Hopkins. Cliff said after the game, they were trying to be aggressive, take advantage of some one-on-one. Not sure what was baited for him, but what do you think about the play calling that aspect? Because it seems like for whatever reason, like that was kind of where people were going to hang their hat on in Cliff Kingsbury and blame him for not being able to deliver in the clutch to take time off the clock. And ultimately it left the bills essentially with, uh, you know, about three minutes, about three minutes and 30 seconds left to drive down the field, get a touchdown to take the lead or at worst, send it to overtime. Is this a spot where we have to be really concerned about Cliff Kingsbury? And the only reason we're not, you know, seeing him get wrecked on the internet today is because the Cardinals turned it into a win. Yeah, I, I can appreciate the, the aggressiveness of the Cardinals, but I also know that, I mean, they were running the football incredibly well before, you know, Kingsbury thought to just continually throw the football. Over 200 the, yards, John. Yeah, Over 200 they, I mean, yards. They, they're one of the best. He's proven it. They're one of the best running teams since he entered the league as a head coach. And, yes, that's a big part of that's what Kyler brings to the table. But I just think, first of all, I need to commend Kenyon Drake for how he ran yesterday. Put the fumble aside. Wasn't a good look. And, again, you know, we're, we're – we're lucky. I mean, the Cardinal backs don't fumble often. Neither does Kyler, so it's surprising when we see it. But Drake being out um, after he got injured the bye week, not being you know able to, to play against Miami, there was some rust. But I thought he ran really effectively. I thought he got his shoulders square. He hit the hole hard. He, he looked like a completely different back than the one we saw in the first half of the season. And I think that bodes well for the Cardinals moving forward. They need that Kenyon Drake. It looked like the Kenyon Drake of last year when the Cardinals acquired acquired him from Miami. So yeah, I, I was of the mindset. Well, first of all, let's, 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 let's put aside this, the notion that, okay, the Cardinals had Larry Fitzgerald been able to haul in that, that catch. And it's partially on Larry, partially on Kyler. I believe the game's over. I mean, the, the, the Cardinals were driving at will. They were running the football effectively. Um, the, the, Buffalo was on their heels. I mean, they put they put the ball in the end zone there. The, the game's over. So you can't put that possession on, on Cliff. That was the kind of fluky play you just mentioned it, Blake, that happens to the Cardinals of old. So let's put aside that drive for a second. Then you've got the drive where they go essentially three and out before the Drake Kirkpatrick interception. And 
they attempt to run the football on third and one. And they try to do a read option with Kyler, which is what we all wanted to do a week ago when they lost to Miami. And give Buffalo credit, they snuffed it out. They snuffed the first read, which was Drake, and then they were already in the backfield. The offensive line did not perform well on that play. That's not on Kingsbury either, because they ran on the first two um, plays of that of that possession, they gain nine yards. They just they have an issue right now securing one one yard in in critical ventures of the game. And we could talk about that moving into the off season. Blake, of do they need a, a bigger power running back in the draft? Do, they probably need to upgrade one or two spots in their their interior offensive line. Like that's a personnel move into the off season. Because here's the thing, I was talking to my dad about this. You're just never going to put Kyler under center. And the benefit of Kyler is also that's just one drawback that you're going to have to have is he is not capable, we think, of taking a snap under center and falling forward for a yard like we saw Tua do last week and Josh Allen. It's just they just don't do it. And you're in the spread offense and you get so many, you know, bounties or bountiful, you know, plays from that. And the Cardinals just reap the benefits of that spread offense. That's, you know, it's new age. Everybody, it's the envy of everybody in the league. The Cardinals have the number one offense. But in short yardage situations, the Cardinals are vulnerable right now. So that's not on Kingsbury. The last drive, Blake. Well, well, well John, let me interrupt you then because I, I, I would kind of disagree there. I think it is on Cliff Kingsbury because the Cardinals, when they've attempted the quarterback sneak, are two of two. One with Kyler Murray and one with Chris Strevlett. They've never had one time where we've seen Kyler line up under center, quarterback sneak it, and oh, he was too small, didn't get there. I think that right now it's maybe a bit on Kingsbury as far as the decision where he just either doesn't want to, you know, maybe it was the criticism of, hey, why are you taking Kyler off the field for that high leverage situation that maybe got to him? Maybe, and I've noticed this, was that since Patrick Mahomes on a quarterback sneak kind of hurt his ankle, I do wonder if that's been part of the the timidity that Cliff Kingsbury has had is where it's kind of, like you said, John, it's it might be almost a lose-lose situation of, hey, like, you don't want to have Kyler get hurt in one of these meaningless plays, like, Cliff's former star quarterback did with the Chiefs and was out for a few games. And, you know, there's some surgery he may have had to have after the season. They fortunately got him back and they were still able to win a Super Bowl. But in that sense, that's part of what we talked about of why you get an athlete like Chris Trevler in the first place, who's a big body, who's got legs. You can run some different plays for that one. Even just if you're not going to run Kyler on a quarterback sneak, putting him under center, loading up like you're going to have things on a quarterback sneak, and then being able to either roll him out or boot or be able to just forcing the defense to put guys into the box, it gives you a lot of options. And on that play, like you said, John, we just have not seen the Cardinals essentially want to do it in that regard. And when you see the ball, either it's getting snapped back five yards behind or in the shotgun, and there's there's just at least room at least for that one where I do think it's fine that we can critique Cliff Kingsbury for that. And I saw it a whole lot throughout that of, hey, just embrace the QB sneak a bit more because we've seen a lot of teams when they started looking at that. And even Cliff and fourth and short this year, there is a stat that came out that showed like, hey, when teams are punting, and they're making a decision, are the opposing team's 
scoring off of that or benefiting or coming back in the game. Like you think of the Seattle Seahawks with Russell Wilson at the 39 yard line. Hey, like we're going to go ahead and punt it back to them on fourth and one. And then the opponent scores a touchdown, gets back into the game. Cliff has managed things so well. The Cardinals have the least amount of penalized punts in the NFL. So they're going for it when they need to on fourth down and the defense is doing well enough that they're not paying a price for it. That's what makes it so strange. John is in these high leverage situations. I I think it's fine for us to be able to say, hey, this Cliff is doing a great job at managing it while still being able to say, hey, there's a tool that you have that you're just not wanting to use for some reason. And I think that if it's something that, you know, if they had used it and been able to be successful, I think we'd be talking about a very different game overall where we could say, hey, look at this improved decision making from Cliff Kingsbury rather than saying, wow, that trade for DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray making a guy miss on a, you know, a play that they had designed and was almost a failed play, but he was able to make a guy miss with his legs, bailed Cliff out of a lot of flack. And I, I think it's fine where we can then both accept where the Cardinals are, accept where Cliff is. It's not like a spot where we're calling for his head for the most part for each of these things. Gosh, no. But we still at least can say that there's something that's lacking here. Well, and I here's what I'll say. I agree with you in the sense that, like, I'm not saying Kyler can't get a yard on a sneak. Um, that's not what I'm saying at all. I have no idea. I, I, I know how dynamic of a player he is, and I know, you know, he fights for extra yards. I know that they signed Chris Strebler in the offseason for that specific role. And then ever since that scenario in which they lost to Detroit, I mean, Kyler kind of put the kibosh on that and basically said, we're not, this is not what we're doing. You're going to trust that, that I'm going to take care of the football. Don't take the ball out of my hands, which I agree with. Um, so I, I just think if, you, if you're not confident in your guys to get a yard, then we've got bigger problems. But just where we're at right now with this team, um, I just think – he doesn't have faith in, in Kyler to do it that I, I do. He doesn't, and he's the head coach. Um, so, okay. So that's the, the second to last possession Bef, uh, before the next possession that would come after the Drake Kirkpatrick um, interception. Right. And then you figure the Cardinals have momentum. They're, they're almost about ready to hit midfield and they're throwing every down and it looks completely disorganized and Kyler takes a sack and I get Kingsbury's idea of we want to be aggressive, but I also think that, listen, your defense has been – you're playing with house money with this defense right now because you didn't expect this kind of outing in the second half. You're getting it, and they've given you time after time. Eventually, Vance Joseph's defense historically is going to rear its ugly head and, and show you what it really is, and that's for the most part a liability. And so I just think that he needs to play with a mindset. I mean, it's, it's one thing to be aggressive throughout the duration of the game. I love the, the fourth and five call completion to Dan Arnold. Um, but when you have the lead and you're running the football effectively like that with Kyler and with Drake and with Edmonds and Bo and Buffalo has multiple players in their back seven that are out. They lost the, the rookie linebacker from Iowa who's a nice player. I just think at that point they were so vulnerable that you just can keep lining them up and, and force them to stop it until they stop it, um, especially with the way Drake was running. Um, so, I mean, Kingsbury is very much damned if you do, damned if you don't, because we were ridiculing him last week because he wouldn't keep the ball in Kyler's hands. And then this week, you know, Kyler wasn't particularly sharp until that final drive. So I, I am still a huge believer in Cliff Kingsbury. I know there he's got critics around the NFL just because people have, have been – 
on that narrative that he should have never been given the opportunity to coach at the NFL level as a, as a head coach. And so they're saying, well, Kyler just mass off Kingsbury's errors. I mean, the, the Cardinals have the number one offense partially because of Cliff Kingsbury. Does he need to work on some of his in-game coachings? Absolutely. Um, he needs he, he needs to work on a lot of things. But I, nobody thought that when they hired him a year ago that he was some refined, ready-made NFL head coach. This was a maturation process with, with Kyler and Cliff. And when Kyler goes through rough stretches, we have patience and we should we should afford Kingsbury that same patience. I think most people feel like with Vance, it's like, well, you've been a head coach, you've been a de- defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. you've had over a year and a half to implement your system like why is this unit still so bad whereas with cliff cliff kingsbury we look up and they're leading almost every statistical category in the nfl they're incredible to watch they're the envy of the league and it's like yeah but did you see a couple possessions in the fourth quarter not great against a team by the way that was seven and two and sean mcdermott i think is a top seven to ten coach in the nfl defensive head coach that put together a masterful game plan i mean at the end of the day sometimes you just gotta tip your your cap to these other coaches and these players it's the nfl man it's the big boys everybody gets paid everybody's got pride nobody's nobody's taking and you're going up against outside of probably kansas city the best team in the afc that had been playing well recently after a little bit of a downturn that had just beaten a division rival seattle and they're feeling good about themselves so the cardinals took their best shot yesterday and i mean in all actuality after what they did in the second half they should have won that game handedly now they thank goodness they came out with a win and i I know a lot of people are saying well they stole the victory the Cardinals didn't play great in the first half. They had a lot of um, miscues in the red zone that led to field goals. That's not their capable game plan. And they took the lead still in the second half despite all that. And then, you know, yes, they they they, they didn't maximize their, their opportunities in the fourth quarter. But I believe just what I saw yesterday, Cardinals were a better football team. The, Patrick Peterson dropped two interceptions from Josh Allen. The, the, the Bills were gifted that pick from Larry Fitzgerald, that would have sealed the game. I mean, they got the gift from Kenyon Drake, who put the ball on the ground. I just... I just feel like the Cardinals were better yesterday. It's not one of those situations in which, you know, we're facing Kansas City and Kansas City and, and Mahomes just can't stop turning the ball over. You just have one of those days. I just, I really just feel like the Cardinals right now have the better quarterback, have the better personnel um, offensively, and, and Buffalo, to me, just they're not at the Cardinals level offensively, and it's it's an offensive game. I would much rather have, and yesterday proved it, and I know, you know, Sean McDermott's a great coach. I would rather have the offensive coach with my quarterback because at the end of the day, you got to score points to win, and the Cardinals consistently are winning games because they're putting points up in the 30s. They've scored 30 points in in four-plus games. And, and that's how you win in the NFL. Rare, rarely you're going to have those kind of outings like we had it last week against Miami where the defense literally, if the defense had gotten one more stop, the Cardinals win that game against Miami, and they just couldn't do it, right? If the Cardinals play like this the rest of the year, they're going to be a force in the NFC, whereas, like, you can be a great defensive team. We're going to see a great defensive team later tonight in, in the Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football. No one takes them seriously. Vic Fangio in, in Denver, they're a good defensive team. Nobody cares. Nobody takes them seriously. If you don't have a prolific offense in 2020 led by a head coach and, I believe, a quarterback combo, 
you're not going anywhere. You you are not going anywhere. So uh, with with even with Kingsbury and all of his faults, I would still much rather have him leading the charge than a throwaway defensive head coach. And I'm not, I'm not putting McDermott in that category. I'm just saying, just in general, like this is a this is probably Blake. If you were to look back on the hiring when it took place and where the Cardinals are at now. To me, they're way ahead of the maturation process. I would have thought it would have taken them at least another year and another offseason of additions to get to this point win-loss record. Cliff Kingsbury has eclipsed my um, expectations in year two. And so sometimes I admittedly have to take a step back and I'm saying, are we, be, are we being fair here? This guy just put up 32 points against Sean McDermott. And, you know, I love Christian Kirk. Outside of Hopkins, I mean, where are their elite playmakers offensively? They're just... You know they're non-existent right now. Just think of what he's going to do if he has another off-season of adding some legitimacy, you know, weapons-wise. So we're all cl- critical because we're all you know armchair quarterbacks, armchair head coaches. But and the guys, Cliff Kingsbury is pretty good offensive coach. Yeah, John, like you said, as far as for how it goes, Brian Dable's done a fantastic job with the Bills. They've got weapons galore for Josh Allen to throw to. Uh, what's interesting to me is the game plan. It didn't even feature the running game. They only had 18 rushing attempts overall. Cardinals more than doubled that. Uh, you talk about outside of Josh Allen averaging 5.4 yards a carry on a lot of scrambles, and then there was the one big designed run where he had a 15-yard run up the middle. Uh, other than that, really, the the biggest missed opportunity may have been that deep pass to Zach Moss that Allen had for a touchdown. Didn't see him. Uh, ends up going, I believe, to Cole Beasley instead. Uh, they end up scoring a touchdown to Stephon Diggs in, in any case, but uh, was also that they didn't even attempt to rush. They had uh, essentially 11 carries for 35 yards as far as the rushing attack. They either game planned to try to pick Arizona apart through the air, which you know ended up having a spot where they had two turnovers as a result. Uh, they did have a, a couple of neatly designed plays. Like uh, the way I think uh, you could look at it overall, John, is that uh, the Cardinals' defense still did step up overall, and there were times at least where it felt like the uh, secondary was having issues with a elite route runner like um, Cole Beasley out of the slot. Uh, John Brown gave them essentially one big play, but didn't burn them deep. And the one time that he did have a step, uh, Josh Allen just overthrew him for the most part. Uh, I think at least when you're talking about these types of matchups and the maturation overall, uh, to be able to recognize what Josh Allen brings with also some of those limitations, like there were two or three times that I thought that he was going to be sacked. He took no sacks on the day showing the uh, elusiveness. So that's one of the areas where you have to say, like, this is a playoff team. There's limitations that Josh Allen has that we saw. One of the biggest ones I thought was there was that play where Isaiah Simmons comes in place for the injured Devondre Campbell, gets essentially almost a free rush off the edge. Josh Allen looked like he was dead to rights. There was two times I thought Simmons was about to sack Allen. One of them, he ends up kind of getting rid of the ball, and it hits the running back. Like It was like it looked like it was going to be one of those, oh, no, don't throw that ball. It's going to be picked type of Josh Allen throws. Instead, it does get to, De- uh, to Devin Singletary. Uh, but like what you said, John, it showed ultimately that in this area, the Cardinals, we have to give them, I think, a bit more credit because, as we've seen, they're a second-half team. They make adjustments. Uh, when you look at Absolutely. how the uh, coming out of the half, the Bills, up until that Stephon Diggs touchdown, had only gotten seven points, despite the fact that in the first half they had scored 16. So after the first touchdown, the Cardinals held them to three field goals and then in the second half, they basically forced punt, punt. They did score one touchdown as Buffalo went. 
But the Cardinals went and put up 17 points in that third quarter. So you're talking about essentially going from being this team that had only kicked field goals and was settling to taking the lead in one quarter's worth of time. The explosiveness that you're able to see from Kyler is not there without the adjustments that you have on the defensive side to hold the Bills to, you know, not getting any points and then being able to score rapidly and seeing that turnaround. What I think you're right about, though, is that there's still at least limitations that the Cardinals showed of why we've had a hard time seeing them as being like this elite team. We say, hey, good teams win these these games. Great teams, I think, have a chance to be able to uh, win these games in the clutch to have a special type of season. And that's where I think the narrative at least can shift. Because right now what we got to see overall, John, was uh, quite a bit of redemptions. And I, I didn't need to point this out. We talked about Kenyon Drake, who he ended up having, a, uh, I believe it was, 100 rushing yards on the day. He had 16 carries. He essentially, when we were talking about him not even being on the team after the injury he took. He turned out it was not nearly as bad as it was. He missed essentially one game with the Dolphins to go back and to not only be able to go and rush for 100 yards after coming off of missing a week, but to bounce back from that fumble that he essentially gave in Cardinals territory to the Bills, and then to see Bruce Arians trust him. Because this is what went through my mind looking at these decisions that Cliff Kingsbury made and seeing kind of the similarities and then the contrast. Flashback to the last great ending game that we had in University of Phoenix Stadium in 2000 and I believe it was 2015 Cardinals Packers Bruce Arians throws the ball to I believe it was Fitzgerald it sails over his head for Palmer just either a bad throw or good coverage whatever you want to call it versus running more time off the clock it was a very similar decision to Cliff Kingsbury and Arians has probably about like what 40 years of coaching experience on top of him decided to be aggressive go for the win and that gave Aaron Rodgers enough time to go down and you know complete essentially two Hail Mary passes to send the game to overtime i thought of that as far as for the, there's some aspect of coaching that we need to be able to accept that there's not going to be perfection we can't basically go out there and be like yeah this coach does the perfect decision all the time you know we can point to Bill Belichick decisions over the years he's kind of the gold standard of decision maker Uh, in terms of situational in the NFL. And there's some aspect we have to accept that, you know, no coach is going to be perfect. It's just the case where you want to be able to see improvement and get as close to that standard as you can. And that's something I think at least we can talk about how I think Kyler does lift his teammates up to that type of a standard. But what we also got to see was after that fumble, Cliff Kingsbury went out and still trusted Kenyon Drake, and Drake ultimately rewarded him with a 100-yard game. They were able to milk up some of the clock, and it was a bummer that they didn't trust Drake on, you know, that last, uh, you know, that last ultimate, um, I should say, drive that they got where they did have the three and out trying to be aggressive and hit Hopkins one-on-one. Credit the Bills for some great blitz designs, but it was also in contrast to Bruce Arians, who after a fumble by Ronald Jones by the Bucks against the Saints previously, he essentially benched him for the rest of the game. Like, Jones had three carries for nine yards in that game. Contrast that to this week, Ronald Jones went off for 23 carries for 192 yards against the Panthers a week later. So you're talking about Bruce Arians basically got blown out by the Saints, and he did that to himself. It was just this this type of stubbornness and this type of, I don't want to say arrogance, but it was just kind of this doghouse mentality. And the fact that Cliff Kingsbury did not have that same type of doghouse mentality is in one aspect. You can say, hey, like, you knew what you had, Cliff Kingsbury. You trusted your running back. You kind of put the faith in them. He rewarded you. And to me, that's one thing that stands in contrast to being able to say, okay, coaches are going to make mistakes. 
But that's one of the positives of that I think a lot of fans are not getting with Cliff Kingsbury, at least, is they're making up for a lot of these errors and complaints that we had about, you know, the types of BA and some of that stubbornness that popped up. And I think that's one of the things that stood out to me in this game was where they gave opportunity for redemption for some of those guys. And some of those guys got it. Even Patrick Peterson, for the most part, I think we can shift to talking about him here was able to get some of that redemption with being able to get that interception. He had an overall, I guess you could say, end of the day, okay, but it was looking like it was going to be a solid or almost great day up until, you know, that last burn touchdown. But I think it was one of those spots of after watching him and going through and seeing all that stuff, it made me happy that Patrick Peterson is a Cardinals cornerback for 2020. But kind of looking at where he was playing, seeing Cole Beasley's separation, seeing how Peterson essentially in that digs touchdown uh, he either didn't know Buda Baker was kind of behind him with that post route or he didn't know or trusted his athleticism and whatever case it was that play was almost fully on Patrick because Stefan Diggs essentially just ran an out route Patrick was on the inside couldn't catch up it was a huge mistake and almost like someone even said is this like a, a is this a coaching technique or was Patrick who's a veteran just that bad he did not like know where his safety was and I, I kind of made me make up my mind of like all right I, I feel like I've kind of seen enough from Patrick Peterson to be able to recognize where he's at or who he's been but when Hassan Reddick got injured and took that head injury and went down I was like oh gosh like it made me realize the importance of what Reddick is bringing for the most part that I want to have in 2021. And it made me realize I'd probably be more comfortable being able to move off of Patrick Peterson even more than I had thought. And, you know, he, maybe they both proved me wrong later this season. But what were your thoughts, at least on Peterson, John? Because no one, I think, was happier that DeAndre Hopkins caught that pass. And Patrick Peterson, with a huge smile on his face post game interviewing Hopkins about that catch that he made about being like, you know, the best wide receiver in the NFL. He kind of got bailed out a whole lot too, from what we would have kind of called this, the, you know, Patrick Peterson got burned and cost them the, the tossed the team, the game and potentially cost them, you know, a shot at the playoffs game. Instead, he kind of got bailed out by that as well. Yeah, the Vic Beasley, Vic Beasley, the the Cole Beasley play was worse in my opinion, just because of the optics for it. But like, let's focus on on Peterson with regard to Diggs. Patrick Peterson's approaching thirty years old. Stephon Diggs is is one of the best. He's a top five receiver in all football. He's just traded for a first round pick. Uh, he's a fantastic player. He was coming into this weekend leading the NFL in yards. I mean, that was a tall task for Peterson. And I think, realistically, even the most diehard fans would tell you that Peterson is not a 1A corner anymore. Um, he, on days, can play like that, but more in the saddle of he should probably be your second best corner on the roster if you're a Super Bowl contender. And that's that's not a bad place to be. Um, we saw him do very well earlier this year against DK Metcalf, but he just he doesn't have the twitch in his hips anymore, the makeup speed to be just an elite press man pro bowl corner he's just he's 30 years old i mean he's been in the nfl for almost a decade was drafted in 2011 and i think he's playing he's playing good enough for the cardinals to win especially with injuries to kurt patrick and, and byron murphy out last week um I, so i i wasn't ready to be critical of him at all especially like when you saw what he he played like early in last year after his suspension and there's just been a lot going on with him but he just he never lose confidence in himself and listen he was in position to have a huge day turnover wise should have had three interceptions um the one pick he did have i don't know if he was trying to get too cute but he left about 10 to 15 yards available on this on the opposing sideline he could have run up the sideline that that was the one thing that that I pointed out. I don't know what he was. He was maybe thinking he was going to take it back, but I think those days are probably behind him. You never know. But 
thankfully, the Cardinals still, I think, ended up scoring on that drive. Um, that would have been interesting had they not. But no, I, I Stephon Diggs is better at his his position right now than Patrick Peterson is at his. And no one would argue that. Also, it's very difficult in an offensive league when you really can't touch receivers for for there to be just one shutdown corner. Um, there's no Darrell Rivas. I think the closest probably we have right now is a Jalen Ramsey, unfortunately, for um, the L.A. Rams. But even he or even, you know, Stephon Gilmore's not having the season like he had last year. That's a really hard position. I think if you're able to put together an elite pass rush and you fill your secondary with a bunch of really capable corners, you're fine. You don't need a $25 million 1A one, one corner to, to win a Super Bowl. The, Car- the Cardinals are an example of that. They, they've been to the postseason many times. Um, without a, they went to a Super Bowl. Their best corner was a rookie, Dominique Rogers Cromartie, and you know we saw the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl last year. You know Tyron was their best DB, but they, you know they, Brashad Breeland was a, one of their top corners. I mean, to me, you just you have to be capable, and I think that's why. The Cardinals really struggled last week because they had Peterson and a bunch of practice squad level corners. If Byron Murphy or Drake Kirkpatrick plays in that game last week, I think they win. And yes, Kirkpatrick gives up yards, but he also puts them in a position to get turnovers and he's not completely out of position, you know, like some of these younger guys. There there there's something to be said about experience. And then Byron Murphy had a tough day yesterday. I think he'll he'll bounce back this week against Seattle. So I, I was not ready to come on to this podcast and really bang on anybody defensively because I the defense played better than I thought they would play. I thought the Cardinals would need to score, you know, thirty five to forty points to win this game, and in all actuality, they they probably only needed to score, you know, th- they scored thirty two. I think it could have been less than that based on if they were able to secure a touchdown earlier in the fourth quarter. I think Buffalo would have just been in in prayer mode they would have been chucking it up and they probably would have had an interception the defense to me was not the issue in the second half yesterday first half yes they did not play well um so i you know i'm confident in peterson the rest of the year he's good enough to get them to the postseason um now if we're talking about you know 2021 and beyond you and i've been consistent i would not pay a 30 year old corner big money um, cause that contract's not going to age well. If he wants to go year to year, which he will not want to do, I'm sure. Then I would absolutely be open to business. You could move off of him. Um, but he's going to want big money. I would imagine the Cardinals with Byron Murphy ascending, probably let him go get a comp pick, maybe a fourth or a fifth round comp pick, depending on, you know, somebody in Dallas, if he wants to overpay Patrick Peterson, that being Jerry Jones or somebody like that. Um, go out and draft one, sign one in free agency. There's all, you know, we saw a good corner in Byron Jones last week for, for Miami play well. And, and he was a free agent and he could, he could have been had. So uh, to me, uh, the Peterson represents part of the old, um, guard in, in, in regard to the Cardinals and where they're going. I just don't see him being a part of that, that group. I think that, listen, and I'm not going to get on my soapbox here about romanticizing the past, but the best organizations know when it's time to move off of players. I love Larry Fitzgerald. I don't think it was Larry Fitzgerald's fault that he dropped the, the pass yesterday, led in the interception. But the Cardinals, outside of Hopkins, and, and sometimes to a lesser extent Christian Kirk, the receivers can't really separate. And Larry Fitzgerald had a 55 rating via Pro Football Focus yesterday, and the Cardinals were paying him eight figures and Patrick Peterson's going to be 30 years old the Cardinals are going to have some decisions to make that I'm sure won't be popular with the casual fan but if you want to contend for a Super Bowl it's all it's all about allocating funds to where you're best served right can they 
who would you rather have next year with the way they're playing? Would you rather have Larry or Patrick, or would you rather have Hassan Reddick, who's still probably entering the prime of his career? I never thought we'd have to answer that question, but that's just those are the kind of things you have to pose if you want to be a Super Bowl contender. Um, now, it's burned them in the past. One specific example would be letting Calais Campbell walk, um, but I think that, to me, is the outlier situation. The Tyron situation, to me, doesn't fit because he was still very young, but he was just, you know, he had injury concerns. But I just think... Paying guys big money, eight figures and up, especially at positions where you require, you know, speed and burst like receiver and corner, paying guys post 30 is just not a good decision for this for this team. So if you if you had to tell me right now, Blake, I would I would think Steve Kime lets lets him walk. I think that they, you know, continue their their praise of Byron Murphy. and, And I would love to see him take a bigger step in the second half. The Cardinals, to me right now, are in a really good spot from a safety standpoint. I like the depth that they put together. Buda and Jalen and Deontay and Chris Banjo, that's a solid group, assuming that Jalen and Buda continue to ascend. And then you've got Byron Murphy, and you've got maybe a little bit of cash to play around with there. So, um, And I think that if you were to start playing consistently a little bit more of a, your, the eighth overall pick, um, that can help cover up some warts on the back end as well um, in, in your back seven. So if I had to guess right now, I, I would say Patrick Peterson probably doesn't return. But I'm happy to, you know, I, w- I would love to see both he and Larry go out with a bang this year. But who, who knows what's going to happen? And I'm not proclaiming that Larry won't be back. But I, goodness, eight million or eight figures, not even eight million, but eight figures for, you know, a third or fourth receiver that that's that's having some some issues this year. His, you know, in, in, in the number one offense, he's not going to have Blake 500 yards receiving. You know, let's let's be smart with our funds. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and like you said, John, the goal for the Cardinals, I think, right now, and this is where things have kind of moved into a different stratosphere, is you said the goal all along has been playoffs. And part of that is because you just, with everything that's gone through, it would be a awesome reward to be able to get playoff Larry at least for one last kind of run. And like we said, the Cardinals right now are ready for that. Right now, they've got the number one offense. Their defense has, you know, not been maybe a top 10 defense, but they're forcing turnovers now at a higher rate. Uh, this team at least is ready to be able to compete and in a pretty wide open NFC. Uh, that's all I think that you want is to be able to get that last shot for Larry to go in, I don't know if I don't know if it's going to be any type of you know Kobe Bryant seventy point final game or anything like that. It does feel like that this is kind of still in that transitional phase of you're seeing the future of the Arizona Cardinals, how it's been built around you know with Kyler and Hopkins. We'll, we'll talk about them to kind of close up our recap here in just a minute. And uh, it's seeing this transition away from kind of the older aspect, and it's been fun to see almost like this. Maybe not necessarily one last ride, but. You know, we've got guys like Josh Morrow who are back with the Cardinals out there making plays. You've got Marcus Golden essentially taking over for the likes of Chandler Jones, being able to uh, improve their pressure for that and being able to kind of see uh, this whole um, kind of what Steve Kime has architected over the years. Uh, Like we talk about the big four all the time, at least. This seems like it's kind of nearing the end of the road and because of the play that the Cardinals have and because of the direction, it's not like it's a it's not like it's too painful. Like if it would feel, I think, if JJ Watt was traded, say, to like the Packers or something like that for a Texans fan, it would feel painful to you to be able to say, Oh gosh, like he's gonna go get a shot for a ring, but it just felt like there would be something that wouldn't be satisfying. And the Cardinals for what they're doing this year, if this is truly the end of the road for those two, um, you know, we still have to figure out what's going to go on with Chandler Jones when he comes back in 2021 after that injury. There's a whole lot we can get into as far as next year. But 
Exactly. There's a lot that's there, but you can at least see the direction of where the Cardinals are going. And it feels like it's at least this is kind of what you had wanted because there's so few amount of teams at least who really get to have that chance to go out there and be able to deliver in that sense of being able to at least get another shot at it. I just think of, you know, the likes of how Adrian Wilson essentially spent his last year with the Cardinals is that terrible 2012 season for the most part, at least where Steve Kime had to let him go. You think of how, you know, that 2008 Cardinals team for the most part, you had Clayus Campbell was back and then he ended up leaving, got some success with the Jaguars. There's, there's been so many different aspects, at least of teams where there's guys who just never kind of get that shot. And that's why I think the number one goal for the Cardinals has to be is give the best possible shot that you can. And right now, John, like you said, that six and three game, the reason why it takes on such a huge meaning is because you're in first place by, you know, tiebreaker right now, but you're still at six and three with the Seattle Seahawks. So you're playing on Thursday and with the St. Louis Rams, who've still looked like outside of a, a couple of really good defensive games for the most part by the Bills. The Dolphins have still been one of the better teams in the NFL, and you've got to play them twice. The goal, at least I think, is to try to do the best that the Cardinals can do so that there's no regrets, at least, of saying, hey, like, we sacrificed a chance to have, you know, the division win in the NFC. And what's craziest right now, John, is the uh, if the Cardinals beat the Seattle Seahawks on Thursday Night Football, it will essentially flip the entire NFC West. You'll have gone from Niners, Seahawks, Rams, Cardinals to Cardinals, Rams, Seahawks, Niners. It just shows how fluid the NFL is and how when you do have those opportunities in a year, you have to take advantage of them because it may be totally different a year from now. And I just think that that's the goal for the Cardinals. We've seen already that some of these kind of last-second wins, like we talk about, how fortune can favor the bold. Sometimes Lady Luck just falls your way. I think we've seen that already with how the Cardinals, with that interception of Russ, with how things fell their way, with how they were able to have that late pass breakup in the Niners game, and then to this uh, this game with the incredible Hail Mary there's things that have just kind of fallen Arizona's way, and I think that's where you need the team to look at this as a launching point and say, hey, we know we've got flaws, but we also know that we've got a team that's built that can beat anybody. And even more importantly, John, as we get to this, we've got a quarterback who can beat anybody. And we need to spend, I think, the rest of our time here today talking just about how with Kyler Murray and the attitude of what he brings, but also just the special player that he is. There's so few quarterbacks. I think it's like, you know, Wilson, Rodgers, Mahomes, some of these guys who have been kind of these dual threats who could even get that pass off, much less put it in that place. There's so few NFL teams who have a quarterback like that or could even dream of kind of pulling off a play like that, much less the confidence the Cardinals now can have of, you know, having that type of guy in Kyler Murray. He has taken his play to a level that, you know, we, we try to be realistic about this year saying, hey, he may have like, say, 4,500 total yards or so. He'll maybe get about like 30 touchdowns or so. Maybe you get about, you know, like a certain number of rushing touchdowns. And then all of a sudden he just started taking off this year in the run game. You're like, oh, 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 Kyler's running now and he's doing a great job at it. And he's scoring rushing touchdowns at a clip that through 10 weeks has, you know, I think it was 10 rushing touchdowns. He probably is going to be, if he stays healthy, able to break the all-time rushing touchdown record. And he's still then throwing the ball and dropping dimes on teams. It just is one of those spots of where we kind of, I think, are, as Arizona Cardinals fans, aren't realizing how 
spoiled we are as far as we're experiencing all of this without the context of how terrible the quarterbacks have been around there and also how terrible the quarterbacks have been in the NFL. Like we're, we're not complaining about whether Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky gives you a better chance to win. We're like, oh man, should have gone for it on fourth down there to put the game away. It's, it's a drastically different experience that we've never had before. And I think we were also not recognizing how good Kyler is in that result of Right now, whether you're talking about him statistically, he's right up there statistically with the top quarterbacks in the game. I think that he probably is one of those guys that well, not only you can say he can launch himself into the MVP race if the Cardinals are able to, you know, pull away and beat Seattle for the most part. Maybe even he'll hang around if he plays hard in that game, too. But we're talking about a quarterback who, when you look at the scope of the NFL, how many guys would you take ahead of him right now? I mean, like, we talked about him being probably in the top five just because of age and ability for all of that. But it's like, gosh, outside of like the likes of like what Watson, Mahomes, he's certainly passed up Lamar Jackson through this year just because for we've seen some regression in the passing game from Lamar, whereas Kyler took a step forward. Like, is there any quarterback you'd really have besides Mahomes with him? Like, even Russell Wilson is 32 years old. Deshaun Watson, we've seen he's got mobility. He's got the arm for that. And he's honestly, he's having a career year right now without the likes of DeAndre Hopkins. But we've just seen at least the ability that Kyler has to lift his team up and over the top and essentially carry the team to wins for that one. And all he needed for the most part was, it looks like, the likes of a DeAndre Hopkins. And that's why the, you know, the... Texans right now, despite the play of Deshaun Watson, looking like they're bound for a top five pick. I think, John, it's one of those spots of we could be looking at this type of we had hoped for second year explosion like Mahomes, like Jackson had. We're in the middle of it. We, we need to at least admit that we were thinking, hey, maybe this happens. And it's definitely happening now. And I don't think we're talking enough about that, especially with um and the scope of the rest of the NFL, like it's it's just crazy, John. It's something that we as Cardinals fans need to treasure and need to account for because you know you're gonna miss it when it's gone. Like we've known personally from the likes of Warner and Palmer, and for this to be happening when he's 23 years old, it's I just don't think we're realizing how crazy it is. Yeah, and I think people need to live in the moment because we've seen so many quarterbacks in in recent memory, just like over the past five years have that one great season and then flame out for whatever reason. And I'm not at all suggesting that could be Kyler Murray, but I mean, what's happened to Carson Wentz, you know, Dak Prescott is now, you know, his future might be semi in limbo uh, compared to what he's done uh, without, you know, exiting his rookie contract, Lamar, Robert, even somebody like Robert Griffin, the third Andrew Luck now is retired. I mean, things don't last as long as you hope and that's why on I think last week's pot I said you know if this is if this is 10 years let's enjoy the heck out of the 10 years and, and try to win a Super Bowl and I think that that speaks to kind of their mindset that's why you can't be paying some of these older guys you know ridiculous contracts because of their namesake you need to go out try to put the best it sounds cliche but it's not it's not easy for certain owners to say we need to go out and put the best team around them um, and be objective about it. But as far as your question goes, and we can end on this, Blake, I I would take Mahomes over Murray just because I, I just think he is the gold standard for quarterbacks based on his size and his ability. Um, but I also need to – I mean, everybody needs to acknowledge the fact that Kyler Murray entered one of the worst scenarios that a quarterback can enter, even with having, you know – his not college coach, but even with having an, a complete advocate 
at head coach and you, you built the offense around him, which I mean, you should do anyway. That's a no brainer in today's NFL. But just from a personnel standpoint and where Steve Kime was as a professional general manager, I mean, I, there were very few scenarios in recent memory that I think were worse. Uh, Andrew Luck in 2012, that was probably worse. I think Cam had more talent on that Carolina team, and we've seen that he, he had a very – Ron Rivera was a very good coach. He was a defensive coach, but he was a very good coach. Outside of that, and I'm just talking first overall picks. I'm, I'm not even talking quarterbacks in the rest of the – you know, the first round of the last five years, I think Kyler was in one of the worst situations you could be in. And again, that's why continually with people banging the drum that, well, he has to take this jump just like Lamar and, and, and Mahomes did. I always caution that kind of praise or that prediction because of the rest of this team. And we saw on display last week, Kyler has to be sensational every week for them to win. Um, and we saw it again yesterday. I mean, like, he can't have three possessions in a row where they're not functional or they're going to lose. Their defense isn't good enough. They're not explosive enough, in my opinion, outside of two or three guys offensively. Their offensive line is, is solid, and they've got a budding star at left tackle. But, you know, Mahomes has – Travis Kelsey's going to go in the Hall of Fame. I mean, Tyreek Hill is a is a bona fide Pro Bowl-level uh, um, wide receiver. Um, I, I would say uh, their their second wideout would be Arizona's number two wideout easily, and Andy Reid is, is a Hall of Fame head coach. John Harbaugh is a Hall of Fame head coach. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury didn't have a winning record in college, so I just I just think that. And then defensively, the Cardinals have some of the worst personnel entering last year in the NFL. So I, I just I just think that when we when we entered this season. And people said, well, Kyler has a chance to win the MVP. The only shot I thought that they that the, he had to win the MVP is if he had a historically great individual season. And he's on pace for that right now because I never thought in my wildest dreams that the Cardinals would ha- compete for a top seed in the NFC. I thought, best case scenario, 9-7, and 10-6, which is a wild card berth, but you don't give you know the MVP to wild card burst unless they have like Adrian Peterson when he rushed for you know 2,000-plus yards after he tore his ACL. They gave him the MVP because it was so astonishing what he had done and since then you could go back and look at every team every year generally it's guys one or two seed in the AFC the NFC respectively and I just never thought that the Cardinals would be able to achieve that and I still think it's outside the realm of possibility but I also think whether they're a wild card team or they're the two or three seed you know as the division winner if Kyler Murray puts up 50 touchdowns this year and rushes for like 20 touchdowns and passes for 30 and has you know 5,000 yards between passing and rushing you'd have to give it to him just because of how much he means to his team individually compared to the other guys and that's not to say he's better than Mahomes or Russell Wilson but I just think if, if he has a historically great season, even if they don't have the top seed, it'll, it'll be too much to ignore. So I'm excited. I, I, I think that, again, this might have been their toughest defensive matchup to end the year. Um, I don't buy the Rams. I think Kyler Murray in this, in this offense is, is going to lick their chops at the second half of the season. I have a lot of respect for Sean McDermott. Um, and I, I just think it's only going to get better. Barring un, you know injury or something unforeseen to, to some of their key skill guys or god forbid murray um he's going to approach a lot of these historic numbers and, and we'll see where the season ends yeah absolutely john Let, let's finish up and we can I, when you, you talk about the rams i just kind of think through as far as the matching up of 
you know, they've got still Aaron Donald and the trade for Jalen Ramsey. The fact that we're going to, we, <laughs> we went from the NFC, I think, sorry, excuse me, AFC South. We had Jalen Ramsey versus DeAndre Hopkins twice a year. You get back to it for that one. Let's talk at least as we wrap up here with the last thing. Let's talk about just DeAndre Hopkins. The quickest thing the way to say as we kind of end for this is that may be one of these kind of like defining acquisitions as far as with the Cardinals historically because, you know, we talk about how Kurt Warner threw a Hail Mary to Larry Fitzgerald. Cardinals are convinced that he would have caught the Hail Mary in the Steelers Super Bowl game. You now have another one of those guys. Christian Kirk did not step up despite the depleted Bills secondary, which was, I think, a big disappointment. I think that there's some improvement the Cardinals may need to look at for there in the long term. But just to tell you a little bit as we wrap up today about the greatness of getting an alpha guy like DeAndre Hopkins who can mail it out. It's, it's almost it's like it's unfair to pair a guy who's as accurate and strong as Kyler with the likes of Hopkins in his prime. It's just been, uh, I think, at least something that we're going to be looking forward to. He's under contract for the next five years or so. It's a defining move. And for that, we have to credit, you know, Steve Keim. And somebody even said, you know, we get to talk about, we haven't even said Chris Paul coming to the uh, Suns, at least, is kind of the biggest news that came out today. So it's a good week, as you said, for a lot of Arizona sports fans. Uh, but to have the likes of Kyler Murray, Devin Booker, even seeing Diana Taurasi as far as for with her being a w, the WNBA version of LeBron James, Bill O'Brien is kind of one of those guys where you joke, hey, put him in the Cardinals ring of honor after this for that trade. Yeah, absolutely. The Hopkins deal will go down as, as one of the best in, in team history, if not the best. Um, and I, I, it's all about postseason success. If he goes on and has the kind of mark that Larry Fitzgerald did in the postseason in combination with Murray, he'll have his name up in the rafters as well as in the Hall of Fame. So I, I just think it's unfortunate that Chandler is, is injured and he's not a part of this team because he's done so much for this franchise as the other marquee player that, that they traded for you know, in recent memory. But you know, Hopkins and, and Kyler Murray are both on pace to just be, you know, first-team All-Pro or second-team All-Pro players, and, and that's a very special thing for an Arizona team that historically doesn't have too many of those. Absolutely. Thank you guys again for joining us so much, at least for that one. Uh, John, where can the listeners find you as we head off? Yeah, of course. This is one of two podcasts we're doing this week. We're working to secure a special guest for our Seahawk preview that's going to come out hopefully on Thursday and then find us in the written form, revengeofthebirds.com, and then I do a post-game Periscope show after every Cardinal contest, which will go live right after the Seahawk game on Thursday night. And Blake, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me also on revengeofthebirds.com as well as at Blake Murphy 7 on Twitter. Thanks again for joining us, guys. We had the Hail Murray for that this week. It is one of the defining sports moments of the year, not just for the Cardinals, but for the NFL. And after that incredible last game between the Cardinals and the Seahawks on Sunday Night Football, which got flexed in to get another nationally televised game, not even time to recover from this one. Uh, we'll talk to you guys previewing all of that by Thursday, but this has been the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Thank you.